Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 5, Chapter 2, Part 2. Operating a mech is only part of your training, rookie. Jay slurred, sloshing shine from a steel cup as he, the rookie, Matthew, Rachel, and June sat around the fire pit about a hundred yards from the hangar. You gotta know how to repair the mech, salvage for parts, and improvise when you can't do either. Yeah, yeah, but when do I get to smash shit and kill some... some deader ass? The rookie asked, sipping from his own shine. I'm fucking ready now! The rookie leapt to his feet, then quickly sat back down. This is good shit, Jay. Good. Dr. Thermopolis inserted her security chip into her tablet. With a few keystrokes, she unlocked the encrypted data sent by her colleague in Foggy Bottom. She hated hiding it from Caprizi, but she was told to trust no one, not even the commander. She had needed to go over the information yesterday, but the unfortunate death of Stanislaw and the chaotic arrival and subsequent medical needs of the rookie had put her behind. As she perused the data, her eyes widened, and she instantly knew why her friend was being so paranoid. Dear God, she thought, what does this mean? What the fuck is this shit made from? The rookie yelled. It ain't Sith. Where'd you get the grains? Oh, I gots my ways, Jay answered, exaggerating a conspiratorial wink. The rookie furrowed his brow. Are you hitting on me? The rookie hiccuped. Why? Fuck you. You ain't pretty enough for me, bitch, Jay laughed. I don't know, Jay. I've seen you with worse, Matthew joked. Fuck you, Jespers. You ain't got no titties. No titties, no Jay love. On that note, I'm going to pee, Rachel laughed as she got up from the campfire and walked into the darkness. In 20 years, the nightmare had never lost its impact. Commander Caprizi tossed and turned in his room, sheets tossed aside, the bed protesting his movements. 
He moaned aloud, trying subconsciously to rouse himself from images and memories he kept buried during the waking hours. Caprizi fought his own mind, and as with every night, he lost that fight. Was it guilt, shame, regret, or had his mind been trying to tell him something, something he couldn't grasp when awake? He flung out his arms, trying to push the nightmare away. With a cry, he awoke to an empty room. Retching sounds came from the darkness. What is that? June asked. That's Steve puking his guts out, Rachel answered, returning to the campfire. He's out there somewhere. I heard him whimpering, and then it came out. What, did you eat one of your own muffins? Jay shouted into the night. He was answered by more sounds of throwing up. That's right. How's it feel now? Hey, leave him alone. Steve doesn't get out much. June got to her feet. I'm going to go check on him. Careful. It's spooky out there, Rachel mocked. Matthew elbowed her in the ribs. Be nice. Nanotech? What is the UDC thinking? Thermopolis whispered, glancing around her office, suddenly aware she didn't know how extensive the base surveillance was. She had to watch what she said aloud. She tapped at her tablet, bringing up her side notes, adding notations as she analyzed the data. By the time she was finished, she was deeply unsettled. The UDC had been injecting citizens of Foggy Bottom under the guise of testing a new retrovirus, hoping to finally bring the plague to an end. With that cover story, it was easy to find volunteers. The truth was far more sinister. Okay, let me get this straight, the rookie said, leaning dangerously close to the fire, then back out again. Whoa. Arms around each other, Matthew and Rachel grinned at the rookie. Careful there, tough guy, Rachel smirked. I am doing fine, the rookie drunkenly insisted. But hold on, I have important shit to ask. And you're doing a great job there, Matthew chimed in. The rookie jabbed a finger at Matthew. You think you're funny? Screwing the commander's daughter make you think you can say anything? Huh? Careful, Matthew growled. The rookie held up his hands. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, that, that was rude. Okay, fine, Caprizi said, finally accepting the inevitable as he got up from the bed and made his way to his bathroom. He splashed some cold water on his face, trying to bring himself fully awake. Caprizi stepped from the bathroom, grabbed his tablet, and sat in the overstuffed chair in the corner of his room, the one luxury he allowed himself. So, let's see what the base is up to at, he glanced at the time displayed at the top of the tablet. 1.30 a.m.? Jesus, he muttered. He tapped the security icon and scrolled to the vid feeds. So the UDC puts killing debtors and zombies before saving humans? That's fucked up, the rookie said. It's not that cut and dry, but yeah, pretty much, Matthew answered, pouring some shine into the rookie's cup. So what if, say, Six Flags was under attack? Where does that fit into the UDC's priorities? Well, that's different. I'm talking about out in the waste. It's kill or be killed out here. But what about all the survivor pockets? Don't they count? As far as the UDC is concerned, if you aren't city-state, you aren't people, Rachel joined in. Fucked up, man. She needed to get a response to her colleague, but Caprizi would know right away if she sent a secure message. So would the UDC, for that matter. She pushed away from her desk, exhausted and frustrated. Then it hit her. She quickly grabbed her tablet and started a requisition order for medical supplies she knew they could only get when they traded with Foggy Bottom. 
Hidden in the order would be her analysis and reply. She would give it to Caprizi in the morning, telling him stock was low and was urgent that a trip was made right away. Rachel stood and stretched, dusting the dirt from her backside. I think I'll walk back and get the ATV. Looks like Jay could use it. She glanced down at the general mechanic passed out on the ground. She turned from the campfire and peered into the darkness. Haven't heard from Steve or June in a bit. Think I'll check on them first. Careful, they may be having a moment, Matthew quipped. With the way she has the hoss for you, I, I doubt it, Rachel scoffed. Matthew rolled his eyes. Oh, just go be responsible or something. Rachel blew him a kiss. Caprizi checked the barracks vid feed. Masters and Harlow were actually sleeping for a change. Bisbee was crashed also. Matthew, Jane, the rookies' bunks were empty. He expected to see Rachel's empty since she preferred to sleep in her mech most nights. But where were the others? The commander flicked from one feed to another. The rec room, empty. Mess hall, empty. Showers, latrine, both empty. Hangar, empty also. Hmm, Caprizi muttered. What are they up to? He switched to external feeds and quickly found what he was looking for. Flames flickered from the fire pit as Caprizi zoomed in. If the UDC could give a shit about the people in the waste, then why don't they order the Max to wipe out the cults? Just fucking wipe them off the face of the earth, asked the rookie. That I'm not sure, Matthew admitted. My guess is that it keeps the gene pool fresh. I mean, how many humans are left in the world, do you think? Three, maybe four million? All the city-states combined equals only two million people at last count. Nothing fresh about the gene pool with those crazy fucks, the rookie muttered, anger taining his voice. A scream came from the darkness. Matthew and the rookie straightened, suddenly considerably more sober than before. Matthew tapped his calm. Rach, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not sure what just happened. I heard Steve scream. That was Steve? Damn, he screams like a girl. Focus, please. Okay, sorry, focused. By the time I got to him, he was muttering, Don't take my balls. Is he hurt bad? Yeah, he's bleeding from his thigh quite a bit. Shit. Okay, you apply pressure and I'll get the ATV in the dock. Where's June? Not a fucking clue. Hurry. Will do. Dr. Thermopolis's head nodded. She shook it hard, fighting the drowsiness. She didn't want to go against her own medical advice and drink the coffee she had set on her desk, but she really needed to finish the encrypted message. Her calm buzzed, the emergency tone bringing her fully awake. This is Thermopolis. What's the situation? Hey, Doc, it's Matthew. Uh, we've got a problem out by the fire pit. Steve's cut. It looks like it may have nicked his femoral artery. Thermopolis jumped from her desk and ran from her office. I'll grab my kit and meet you in the hangar. Caprizi debated whether to zoom in on the base staff, but decided against it. He could have easily focused the sensors and heard every word they were saying, even reading them off, the, off their lips if he wanted. But Caprizi had made a decision years ago to not be that commander. He commanded by trust. He had to, if his own daughter was going to be one of his pilots. He watched for a few moments, then transferred back to internal vids. No wonder, he thought. Caprizi switched feeds to Thermopolis's quarters, but the room was empty. The doctor wasn't in. What'd Caprizi say? Thermopolis asked, tossing her med kit into the back of the ATV as Matthew fired it up. Um, yeah, we haven't told him yet. What? She yelled. Why not? 
A sheepish grin spread across Matthew's face, and he avoided the doctor's glare. Well, there may have been some shine involved. Sweet Jesus, did Steve drink also? Oh, he drank. God damn it, what are you waiting for? Get us out there. His blood will be thinned by the alcohol. It can already be too late. Matthew mashed the accelerator. Hidden in the hangar's shadows, June watched the ATV speed away. Doctor? Caprizi called out on the comm, puzzled as to where she would be at 2 a.m. There was no response. The commander scanned Thermopolis's quarters, making sure he wasn't missing anything in the dark room. A quick search told him he wasn't. Doctor, this is Caprizi. Again, no response. Caprizi started to set his tablet down, but thought of something first. He switched on the audio feed. Doctor? Doc- He quickly stopped, hearing the tiny buzzing of Thermopolis's earcom. He zoomed in on the side table, easily finding the minute comm. Caprizi narrowed his eyes and strode from his quarters. So you want to tell me what happened? Thermopolis asked as the ATV came to a halt a few feet from Steve's prone form. Rachel squatted over him, her hands pressed firmly against his thigh. Not a clue, Matthew responded, handing the doctor her med kit as, he, as she stepped from the ATV. Keep that pressure, Thermopolis ordered Rachel as she moved in to examine Steve. I need light! Matthew sprinted to the ATV and retrieved a halogen. He shone the powerful beam down on Steve's wound. Keep that pressure, dammit! Thermopolis yelled as she cut Steve's blood-soaked uniform open. When Caprizi checked base stats, he knew immediately where he needed to go, the hangar. He didn't know what was going on, but his gut told him things were off. When he stepped into the hangar, his feelings were confirmed. Pilot Lang, what the hell are you doing? He yelled up at June, just as she shut her mech's cockpit. God damn it! The commander clicked his comm. June, you had better have a good explanation for this. Refusing to respond, June finished her startup procedure. Caprizi dashed to the initiation console, but he was too late. June was already moving. Where is everybody? The rookie asked, blinking blearily at the fire. Over there. Steve's dying, Jay mumbled, splayed out on the dirt. Dying? Shit. Should we help? Help? Help with what? I don't fucking know. Just thought we should. Well, you go ahead. I ain't helping with shit. The rookie pushed himself to his feet and staggered away from the fire pit. He could see a bright light shining just a few yards away. Hey, you guys need some help? No, just sit down and stay put, he heard someone yell back at him. The rookie swayed. Gotcha. Sitting down and staying put. All right, careful. Careful, Thermopolis commanded as Matthew and Rachel set Steve on the collapsible stretcher retrieved from the ATV. I said careful. Jesus, Doc, we're trying, Matthew yelled back. He's stable for now, but he needs blood ASAP. If that wound reopens before I get him in the OR, he won't make it. Yeah, I know, Doc. Careful. Got it. Rachel and Matthew walked Steve to the ATV and carefully set the stretcher down and strapped it securely to the back. They all climbed in and Matthew slowly set out for the base. Okay, Matthew. Now, I know, Doc. Careful. June wiped the tears from her eyes. This is it for me. Everything is over, she said to herself. No turning back now. June walked the mech from the hangar, ignoring the figure of Commander Caprizi waving for her to stop. She pushed the sensors to full and scanned the night. She had no idea where she was going or what she was going to do, but she had to leave, had to get away from the base, from Matthew, from everyone. 
Ignoring the motor drive, she engaged her legs and took off at a full run into the night. Matthew swerved to avoid the mech coming right at them. Jesus, fuck, Matthew yelled. He tapped his comb, trying to hail June. She won't pick up, Rachel yelled, having tried her comb also. Where does she think she's going? We can track her. I don't know, but she won't get far. Jethro was working on her mech. It, it isn't fully functional. Matthew pulled the ATV into the hangar, barely missing Commander Caprizi. Caprizi turned his attention from June's mech onto the ATV. Matthew and Rachel both blanched under his glare. Shit, Rachel said. Let me handle this. Gladly, Matthew complied. Holy fuck, is that a mech? The rookie yelled. What? Where? Jay sat up quickly and looked out towards the pitch blackness of the wasteland. There, coming from the hangar. The rookie pointed and Jay turned around. Shit, that's June's mech. Oh well, she ain't going far. Jay yawned, curling up to the fire. Should we do something? Call the commander? Sure, rookie. You do that, Jay laughed sleepily. But, the rookie trailed off. Butts are for asses, boy. Butts are for asses, Jay slurred before nodding off. The rookie watched the shape of the mech fade into the night. Okay, just listen, Rachel started, but Caprizi ignored her, moving quickly to the stretcher. How bad, Doc? he asked. Bad, she said, jumping from the ATV. Matthew rushed to the med cart and Gurney stationed against the wall, expertly maneuvering both to the ATV. Grab that end, Matthew barked. The commander's eyebrows raised, but he didn't hesitate. One, two, three. They lifted the stretcher, placing it on the gurney. What'll you need, Doc? Caprizi asked. I'll need Harlow to assist and anyone that's O-negative to be ready to give blood. I'm on it, Rachel said, heading off to the barracks. How long are we supposed to stay here for? The rookie asked. All he got in response was the sound of Jay's snores. He kicked out with his boot, connecting with Jay's thigh. Ow! What the fuck? Jay yelled. Are they coming back for us? The rookie said, irritated. Probably not, Jay responded, rolling over and going back to sleep. The rookie gave him a shove. Hey man, I'm new here. What are we supposed to do? I'm going to sleep. I don't give a rancher's tit what you do. Just throw another log on the fire if you go. What? Harlow groaned as Rachel shook her. Steve's hurt. Thermopolis needs you in the OR, Rachel whispered. Harlow sat upright and grabbed for her uniform. Rachel handed it to her, helping the sleepy pilot get her arms in the sleeves. Thanks, Harlow muttered. Is there coffee? Shit. No. I'll do that next and bring a thermos to the infirmary. Harlow shook her head, trying to get rid of the fuzziness. How bad is he? He's bleeding from his thigh. It won't stop. Harlow's eyes went wide. That could be an artery. She pushed past Rachel and sprinted from the barracks. Get some sleep, Caprizi ordered Rachel and Matthew, both starting to protest. Sleep. Now. We'll talk about all of this during the briefing. The pilots looked from each other to the commander, Matthew finally shrugging and moving off towards the barracks. I'm going to clean up first, he said, looking at his blood and dirt-stained uniform. Fine idea, Caprizi nodded, watching Rachel. I'll be there in a sec, Rachel said as Matthew walked off. She turned to her father, but the look on Caprizi's face stopped her words dead. We'll talk tomorrow, he said. Rachel nodded and followed Matthew. I know you're all tired, Caprizi started the briefing, his gaze hardening on Rachel and Matthew. The life goes on. Matthew started to speak. Caprizi held up his hand. This is my briefing, Pilot Jespers. 
Hold your questions until I'm done. Matthew nodded and glanced at Rachel. She avoided his eyes, choosing to keep hers firmly on her father. Now, Caprizi began, Harlow won't be joining us since she was in surgery until an hour ago, which means we are only missing one person. Anyone know where the rookie is? Rachel's eyes widened and she risked a glance at Matthew. Jay kicked the sleeping rookie. I'm pretty sure you're missing your morning briefing. The rookie groaned, tried to open his eyes, but thought better and sat up with his lids firmly shut. What time is it? Fuck if I know, Jay said, unzipping his fly and pissing on the barely smoldering coals in the fire pit. A steam cloud of urine wafted over the rookie, making him gag and fight to keep from vomiting. But you better get moving if you plan on living past today. The rookie groaned again, this time opening his eyes and braving the bright agony. Um, no, sir. With all the confusion last night, we figured he'd come back with Jay, Matthew said. Quite an assumption. But that wasn't your responsibility, Matthew, was it? No, sir, it was mine, Rachel spoke up. Yes, it was, pilot. We'll speak later. Let's move on. Caprizi lifted his tablet and scanned the screen. Steve is going to be fine, but it may be a couple weeks before he's up to speed. Until then, Caprizi smiled. Rachel, Matthew, the two of you will be in charge of the kitchen. Masters and Bisbee sat up. No, they yelled in unison. Jay tapped at his tablet, and the slight crackling that the rookie had thought all night was part fire suddenly ceased. What was that? the rookie asked. Security containment field, Jay answered, pointing out small metal rods stationed several yards out. Anything without an active reaper chip crosses that field, and every single external light on this base, base goes up. Not to mention auto cannons, smart mines, and really, really loud alarm. You didn't think we'd be outside all night without protection, did you? I didn't really think about it, the rookie replied. You're a strange kid, kid, Jay laughed. Those two? Cooking? Sir, you can't be serious. Why punish us? Masters complained. If it's any consolation, I'll be punishing myself also, Caprizi said. Hey, I'm not that bad of a cook, Matthew said. Rachel reached over and patted his hand. Yes, you are, Maddie. So am I. Sorry, everybody. Okay, we are all going to be shitting our brains out. Got it. Can we move on to the important shit now? Like who is going to go look for June? That would be Matthew, unless you have some objections, Pilot Jespers. Um, no, sir, Matthew responded. Glad to. So, how much trouble are we in? The rookie asked with apprehension. Us? I'm not in any trouble. You? Well, you're in a world of shit, Jay laughed. He tapped at his tablet. Rookie with me, bringing him in. Don't be too hard on him. Good kid. He sent the message to Caprizi and waited. Within seconds, Caprizi responded. Figured... Make him sweat. He's yours today. I want to see you both in my office ASAP. Jay smiled. Looks like the commander has given me your ass for the day. You're going to learn how shit really works around here. Caprizi set his tablet aside. All right, I'm done holding hands. Bisbee, you're on patrol. Masters, you're on escort duty. Escort duty, sir? Masters asked. That's what I said. I need you to shadow Jay and the rookie to Foggy Bottom. Dr. Thermopolis put in a med supply wreck this morning after surgery, and guess we are dangerously low on essentials. Masters nodded. Matthew, you need to get out there and find June. Regular reports. Yes, sir. Pilot Caprizi, the commander turned his gaze on Rachel. 
I'm pretty sure you have a kitchen to run, if that isn't too much responsibility. Jay and the rookie walked into the hangar, both glad to get out of the morning sun. Jethro looked up from his work and started laughing. Well, don't you two make a cute couple. Have fun last night? Fuck you, Jethro, Jay growled. Commander told me you two need to skip cleaning up and see him right away. Skip cleaning up, the rookie asked, shocked. Man, I could really use a shower first. That's tough shit, rookie, Jethro said, returning to the circuit board he was working on. Come on, Jay said, walking away. The rookie followed, his stomach nauseous. That's it. Dismissed, Caprizi said. The pilots quickly got up and left the briefing, glad to get on with the day. Rachel paused by the door. Not now, baby girl, Caprizi said, looking down at his tablet. Go get the kitchen running and I'll be in the mess later. He looked up and held Rachel's gaze. We'll talk then. Rachel smiled weakly. Y yes, sir. Caprizi watched her leave and soon followed, heading back to his office. He looked over the doctor's supply requisition, knowing she was hiding something. Six Flags was closer and had better medical facilities for trading with. When Caprizi entered his office, Jay and the rookie were already waiting for him. Good, glad to see you took this meeting seriously, Caprizi said, locking eyes with the rookie. Sir, I, I just want to say... Save it, Caprizi sat down. I sent you a med rack. You two are going to Foggy Bottom, Masters' escort. Foggy Bottom? Six Flags is way closer, and they... I know, Caprizi interrupted. Rookie, go get your gear ready. It's a five-day assignment. Meet Mechanic Ryan in the hangar. Dismissed. Yes, sir, the rookie said, leaving the office as quickly as possible. Masters leaned in and kissed Harlow softly. She stirred slightly, but didn't wake. He grabbed his pack and headed out of the barracks, nearly colliding with the rookie. Whoa, slow down, Masters said. Sorry, sorry, I, I need to get packed up and get to the hangar, the rookie said, the words tumbling out of his mouth. Masters dropped his pack and grabbed the rookie by the shoulders. Calm down, kid. It's only a supply run. You listen closely to me and Jay and you'll be just fine. The rookie took a couple of deep breaths. Masters smiled. Better? The rookie nodded. Caprizi focused on Jay. Is he worth it? Jay took a seat without asking or waiting for leave. Gut reaction? Yes. Head reaction? He needs a lot of work. There's something to this kid. I don't know what, but he has something to prove. Don't they all? Caprizi quipped. No, this one's different. I can't put my finger on it. Well, you have plenty of time on the supply run. About that. Why Foggy Bottom? Doc's request. Jay raised an eyebrow. Since when does that matter? Since I've started suspecting she's up to something? Really? Pay attention. Will do. Jethro grabbed the rookie's pack and tossed it into the salvage mech's storage compartment. I figured we'd be taking the transport, the rookie said, looking up at the modified battle mech. I didn't know we'd be traveling by mech. Salvage mech, Jethro informed. We take this out on all supply runs. It's outfitted for storage and retrieval. You'll probably come across some graveyards out there and we can use the parts. Graveyards? Mechs, Bisbee answered, entering the hangar. Ours and theirs. Hearts don't grow on trees, Jethro added. Bisbee climbed into his mech. Good luck, rookie. Try not to die. Shit! Rachel cried, pulling her hand from the hot pan. Problems already? Caprizi smirked, entering the kitchen. I'm no good at this. You know that! She yelled at her father. 
Caprizi just watched her. Sorry, she apologized. Caprizi sighed. Do I need to say it? No, I fucked up, I know. I'm talking about you and Matthew. Surprise overtook Rachel's features. Matthew? I thought this was about the rookie. The rookie is with Jay and Masters. He's taken care of for now. I just need to know that your relationship with Matthew isn't getting in the way. It's not. Good. The four mechs left the hangar. Bisbee's heading east, Matthew's west. Masters and the salvage mech due south. Good luck, everyone, Matthew said over the comm. You too, Masters answered. Bisbee just grunted. Don't play the hero, Jaspers, Jay warned. You get into any shit, you call for help. Not to worry. Same thing for you. We know how you can be when in the city-states. The rookie looked over at Jay. What does that mean? Jay ignored him. Pretty sure my credit is cut off everywhere. Not much trouble I can get into. Matthews, Masters, and Bisbee all snorted. In the distance, but well within the base's sensors, a dead mech watched the mech split up and head their separate ways. None of them noticed the observer. They waited until the live mechs were off at scanners before moving in closer to the base. The debtor desperately wanted to do a full scan of the base and all its systems, but knew they would detect him then. The dead mech stopped, realization opening up new data streams in its AI. It had referred to itself as him. He had given himself identity other than it. He watched. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake of Crest. Outro music is Destroy by The Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 License. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. My head is spinning. is running out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech. Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.